What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Afternoon, Roxy Soxy. Good evening from Los Angeles, my friend. From Tam Los Tam. Angeles, all the way. I feel like Los I have to talk Angeles. louder so you can hear me all the way from Australia. <laughs> Los Angeles and Australia in the house. I feel like I'm so far away from you, and yet you seem I know, so close. I know. You seem right there. Like right here. Look, look, I'm reaching look, out to you. I can touch, I can touch you. You touching me? Uh, yeah. It's so depressing, but yet ama- like technology yeah. is so incredible, especially during this pandemic, yes. because we're able to like see our loved ones. But it's mm-hmm. also really sad because it's like there's a computer screen and you feel like you can't really get through that computer screen. So yes. it's like it's a dichotomy, that's for sure. It is, it is. It's like we're so close, but so far. One day soon, hopefully, we will be reunited side by side in real life. And, and I can touch you because yes. the last time I saw you, like you show me your boobs and like now I haven't been able to like come six feet like close. That was our last encounter. <laughs> Just a little peek. <laughs> Just a little peek to see what's going. We went in for a facial. And we ended up showing our boobs. Oh, my goodness. That Those were the days. Yeah. Those were the pre-COVID right? days, Roxy. Right. Because facial and boobs go hand in hand. They do. Especially. <laughs> for females they're yeah. like does this look good does this look good <laughs> oh, well talking yes. about like the female areas yes. see that segue right there boobs uh, and such mm. i think um you, you i mean you know when i was in austin all of a sudden i was rushed to the emergency mm-hmm. i think you remember that night it was yes. just the night before easter um they actually thought i had a bowel obstruction of all things because i was having these severe pain like Mm. down near my abdomen Mm. and apparently if you have something called a bowel obstruction um which is exactly what it sounds like like something's obstructing the bowel um Mm. that you can literally can be fatal within seconds so they rushed me to the er i felt kind of fine other than this weird intermittent pain that i was getting Mm -hmm. and i thought to myself well you know what else could it be we, they checked me in after two hours. They did all these tests. They did these CAT scans. They did like one of those. Um, I had to take all this iodine so they could see what was going on in my oh, body. Yeah. And they didn't find anything. They didn't find a bowel obstruction, which was kind of great, but also very confusing because I was like, well, well, then what is it? But when they did a, um, a scan of my stomach, like uh, what are the scans that they do with the OBs? They do the, uh, when they check the baby, the ultrasound. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I haven't had much sleep. Um, so when they do the ultrasound, they found that I had a massive cyst on my left ovary. Now, I don't know much about cysts. Um, so what I did was, of course, when you find things that, you know, you don't like, um, you don't go to a doctor, you go to the web. And um, I put up on my social media, like, does anyone else have cysts or suffer from any of these issues? And there was so thousands and thousands of women who said that they suffered from these issues, which everything from endometriosis to PCOS um, to just horm- hormonal fertility issues. So I thought, you know what, we should talk about the subject and kind of bring some awareness towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really, really um, interesting topic that actually touches a lot of women, like you're saying, and it's, you know, it, it can range from something completely, you know, benign to something that gets much worse. So it's like really important to be informed about, 
about these things because I think sometimes people like kind of throw it around loosely you know like oh I have a cyst or whatever but it like really there's a lot to know about this about this issue and like you know I'm something that I'm really really interested in myself because I hear like you and like friends Mm -hmm. talk about having these things and it's scary you know yeah and sometimes you have it so like Mm -hmm. it hasn't ever affected my life until recently Mm -hmm. you have it for so long and have no idea and then the doctors misdiagnose so much of this is which is what I found through social media like Mm -hmm. I I was told that I was just making this up or that I don't have a high pain tolerance or that you know I'm just have heavy periods there's nothing Mm -hmm. I can do about it so um you know, we have Bridget Warren on today, who is pregnant, by the way, which we'll talk about later. She's a mama, a business, uh, uh, um, she's a podcaster, an advocate for PCOS awareness and hormone health. She has a degree in public health and health promotion and commerce. She's founded an online community, PCOS to wellness. So she really knows a lot about this subject. She mm-hmm. talks um, about infertility. She educates women um, about, you know, the knowledge and awareness of these subjects. So welcome, Bridget Warren. <laughs> Thank you, what an intro. <laughs> I know. We're known for our intros, aren't we, Roxy? We are. We love introing our guests. And wait till you hear the song at the end. Oh, oh yes. Wait till great. you hear our outro. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also excited. (laughs) So, uh, Bridget, what was your journey like discovering PCOS, like in your own body? Like, did you, was it something that became, you know, you had symptoms of and and you went to the doctor and discovered or how did the whole thing sort of come about? And Mm. also to back onto that, what is PCOS? Because I think a lot of people are confused about that term. So just to maybe say in your own experience what it is and how it did affect you. Absolutely. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, which in itself is kind of a confusing name, but we can, we can kind of get to that a bit later Mm -hmm. on. But um, basically my, my journey with PCOS was, I think, pretty similar to a lot of other women out there in that I, from a young age, like a teenager, had really irregular menstrual cycles, um, Mm kind of got to like my later teens was starting to struggle with acne and uh, went to the doctor and the doctor was sort of like, Hey, I've got this great fix for like both these problems. Mm-hmm. We will put you on the pill, the contraceptive mm-hmm. pill. And not only will this like create this magic period, this regular period, but it's also going to clear up your acne. And I was like, Whoa, I was, you know, 16, 17. I was like, this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. So I was on that for nearly 10 years and I, mm. yeah, I mean, it did, it cleared up my skin and I had what I thought it was a period coming every month, nice and regular, pain-free, really <laughs> nice and easy little period. Um, and yeah, never honestly didn't think much about it. It wasn't until actually I uh, got married and uh, kind of decided like, oh, now I guess it'd be a good time to come off the pill when we want to start getting ready to have babies so Mm -hmm. that was I guess where things started to really um (laughs) I that was like the real start of the journey Mm -hmm. because I came off the pill and within honestly a few weeks of being off the pill I started to notice some symptoms so I started to break out with you know tiny little acne Mm -hmm. all over my face Mm -hmm. I started to get migraines I started to go through these like crazy it was like it was almost like withdrawal symptoms I was like Mm -hmm. oily and sweaty I had brain fog I started to become really anxious um and that was just in the first few weeks and 
I kind of thought, and I, people had prepared me for it and said, this can just be a side effect of coming off the pill. And I was like, okay, I'm prepared to wait this out for a few months because that's what everyone says. It can take around three months for your hormones to re-regulate. And usually by that point, you know, you should be looking pretty normal after mm-hmm. then. So I was like, okay, I've just got to get through this process. Kind of like three months went by and it wasn't not only not getting better it was getting progressively worse Mm -hmm. so the little acne had started to turn into like deep cystic acne over not over my just my face but like my body and my back and I probably should point out this point as well that I was modeling full-time at this point so Mm -hmm. it was um really detrimental not only for like my physic like what I felt like physically but also Mm -hmm. I couldn't earn money it was it was quite Mm -hmm. a stressful time so between that and then my hair starting to fall out I kind of was Mm -hmm. like something is not right here like this is not what should be happening so I had acne hair falling out my anxiety was through the roof I started to feel really down all the time and no menstrual cycle in sight so Mm -hmm. we're kind of getting at the six month mark and I'm going this is really not normal went off to see a few different um, doctors they all kind of said the same thing hey this is just part of it like you know um, it might take longer for you here's some antibiotics for your skin here's some creams like off you go on your way and in my gut I just knew that this wasn't right I really Mm -hmm. did my background is actually in health so I really was like I just need to follow my own instinct here and I'm not not going to stop until I kind of find out what the answer is so I went to around five different um, GPs and I eventually Mm -hmm. found a GP who kind of said to me like look, we could do tests, but it's sort of pointless. And I was like, no, I want to do the tests. I want to do whatever tests you're suggesting. I want to do them. She kind of made me beg for them. I ended up having to say, I'll pay for the tests out of my own pocket. Um, I cried. I said, just let me do something. If I could just find out what's going on, that will be really helpful for me because then I can work out what to do from here. So in the end, I got sent off. I had some tests done. It was all blood tests. And it came back that I had really high testosterone and like androgen Mm -hmm. levels and she was really taken aback by it because at no point did anyone sort of say to me we think you might have PCOS and the reason being was because I I was like a lean lean type person you know I wasn't Mm -hmm. overweight and I think there's this really common misconception that a lot of women with PCOS are overweight and it's just not the case Mm -hmm. um in fact the criteria for PCOS is having irregular menstrual cycles you have to have one two out of the three criteria so Mm -hmm. irregular menstrual cycles um high testosterone levels and that can be shown either physically so with your symptoms so acne and hair loss or hirsutism Mm -hmm. but also on a blood test Or the third one is uh, having an ultrasound and if you have cysts on your ovaries. So you only have to have two out of those three, though. So you can essentially have PCOS without having any cysts on your ovaries, if that makes sense, or without having any facial cysts. Sorry to interrupt. If you have a cyst on your ovaries, does that automatically mean you have polycystic ovary syndrome, even if you just have one? No. No, it doesn't. Mm. In fact most women will have cysts on their ovaries. So it's actually very, very common to have cysts on your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's very confusing. I mean, you know, women in adolescence, like 70% of them will have cysts on their ovaries. That's just that's mm-hmm. just part of it. So it's very confusing and that the name is quite misleading in that regard. But a lot of women do have cysts on their ovaries and that is part mm-hmm. of it as well. So this is where it gets very confusing and it's one of those conditions that is really overdiagnosed but also mm-hmm. really underdiagnosed because mm-hmm. 
doctors are going off by like perhaps just an ultrasound alone. So they're just seeing cysts on the ovaries and they're going, okay, you've got polycystic ovaries, but you don't meet the other criteria or vice versa. In my case, I wasn't meeting, you know, the other criteria. And so they weren't diagnosing me with PCOS. So it's sort of, it's a bit of a tricky one, but essentially from there, I was diagnosed with PCOS. And I guess that's where my just sort of journey began. And I was at this crossroads where I was given um, the concept of, I was essentially told flat out, I wasn't going to be able to have kids naturally. That was sort of, mm-hmm. um, said to me. And that was really. Cause is that a symptom of PCOS? If you cannot have children yeah, P- them, or, or it's harder to have children. Yeah. Well, PCOS is the number one cause of, um, infertility in women. Mm-hmm. So, but that sounds really scary, but it also isn't and that, I think this is where it gets really confusing is that's what women are told and that's the statistic, but it doesn't mean you can't. And there are mm-hmm. so many women that are testament to this. It's just a lot of women, if uh, they hear this and they kind of like, that's it, you know, that's the end of the line for them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately with a lot of our healthcare systems, there's not a lot of support in place to help women actually mm-hmm. overcome and manage their symptoms to the point where, you know, you will get your cycle back. You will be able to manage all right. your symptoms. You will be able to fall pregnant. It just requires a little bit of work well a lot of work a lot of perseverance a lot of education and knowledge and understanding your body but uh, we don't get that in a 10-minute consult with our doctor so um, a lot of the time women then go on to either do IVF or they'll have Mm. um, ovulating inducing drugs and that's that's a completely you know I think viable journey as well I think what should be happening is that we get the option and we get the knowledge to make those choices and decide which route we want to go down before we you know necessarily feel like the only way to go down is the medical route which is just mm-hmm. not true in a lot of cases so mm-hmm. what is like the way to kind of treat this holistically i mean if you don't mm. want to go like the ivf route and, mm. and kind of that what is the holistic way to kind of treat pcos i mean you really have to work out why is there an imbalance going on? And I think mm-hmm. that that's, if you can, if you can get to that point, cause the, the reason you're having these symptoms is because there's an imbalance in your body and mm-hmm. the symptoms are purely our body's way of telling us, Hey, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. So in most women's cases with PCOS, it's testosterone levels are too high. Um, and that's why we get things like the acne and the hair loss. And you, some women will get the facial hair and the weight gain mm-hmm. and all those types of things. So we have to then go and look at our hormones. And so I think a really good first step is just getting your hormones tested, having a look at that and just seeing what's going on. Um, for me, I went down the naturopath route originally and that's, you know, went and saw a naturopath and, um, it's a really, it's, you can't just say there's one thing. I had to change basically my entire life and that sounds drastic, Mm -hmm. but it kind of wasn't when you're at the point of like, is this going to what I need to address the root cause here because Mm -hmm. anything I do that's, um, like a pill or anything like that, that's purely a Band-Aid solution. So mm-hmm. for me, it was looking at, you know, reducing um, inflammatory foods in my diet. Mm-hmm. So anything that was inflammatory, which could be causing my hormones to go out of whack or mm-hmm. even things like stress is a huge one for women. Mm-hmm. You know, our cortisol spikes. Cortisol is a hormone. It overrides all our other hormones. That's so, my entire life is just cortisol, I swear. Yeah, right? And so <laughs> many women, it, it is. And um, we live in this world now where it's kind of like back in the day we were in the, like, you know, flight or fight. So if we were primitive, we were, you know, mm-hmm. let's talk caveman kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. we were in a resting state until we had to run for our lives kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now... 
we are in this bizarre state of kind of always being in flight mode because we're mums, we're business owners, we're working, we're studying, we're, we're socializing, we're going to the gym, like we're doing so many things. And so our body's just like on constant overdrive trying to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have those down moments much anymore, which I think is mm-hmm. a big, a big factor and something that we really um, don't give enough credit to when it comes to a mm-hmm. lot of health conditions that stress can be underlining. But even things for me was, uh stopping doing any high intense workouts and just going to like walking yoga being going back outside because all of that you know that stuff not only did it not raise my cortisol it it lowered it and so that was really really important to me so diet is a massive one cutting out any inflammatory food so i'm talking like you know alcohol coffee um i'm like the story of my life that's just like all the fun oh, things the i know well it kind of is it's the, the fluffy white cup yes, the sugar the all sugar. the delicious things the alcohol, they call it the cats the um the caffeine alcohol tobacco and sugar yes. are the four worst things for anxiety depression mental health hormones all the things but it, you know it's really interesting awesome. because i do feel like in the beginning of when you cut that stuff out you mm-hmm. do feel worse and you do crave it because it mm-hmm. also is also part of your lifestyle like when you pick up a glass of wine or some alcohol, you're telling yourself that you give yourself permission to relax. So it's like you're actually Mm -hmm. having to retrain your brain through your whole system of your day. You know, once you start to, they say that actually habits are broken, not in 21 days. They're actually broken within like three months, really like real habits. So once you're doing something consistently every single day, and I did it with caffeine, I haven't had caffeine in four years and now I don't crave caffeine, nor do I crave the, the ritual of sitting down and having the coffee and making it an experience anymore because that ritual is gone. I think we're more addicted to the ritual than how the things actually taste or make us feel like is that ritualistic um, um, flow throughout our day that we're more addicted to than the actual thing itself, I think. So I totally agree. Yeah. It's like the smell. Yeah. Yeah, Like all the senses are awakened when you have like. For you, Roxy, it's like you believe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. You believe if you have alcohol, then you give yourself permission to relax. So there just has to be other ways that you can give yourself permission to relax that isn't through alcohol. Like maybe it's a hot bath or whatever it is in your day Mm. that gives yourself that, that moment. It's just not as fun though. (laughs) It's not as fun, but it's better for you. Oh my gosh, it's so I mean, true. <laughs> it's so hard. Or a, a, a glass of wine with a hot bath. I mean, you can't be <laughs> Why don't you just bath in the wine, Roxy? Why don't you just do that? Cleopatra did. Cleopatra. Oh, <laughs> now she's Cleopatra. Now it's Roxapatra. That's right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> Look, I so think, you funny. know, I don't know. I, I think my hormones after having kids, I didn't really focus on my hormones as much and then you have kids and I just I don't know what happens like for me it just mm. I just bottomed out and I think that that's also you know the micronutrient deficiency that we experience post-birth and mm-hmm. the exhaustion and the lack of sleep and the lack of connection like we used to raise children in a village so because yes. we used to raise children in a village mm-hmm. we were able to take care of ourselves more so what happens and you know the the collateral damage literally is our bodies after we've gone through birth and raising kids sort of by ourselves, then we're just kind of left in the dust with all these like issues. And I think that hormones are based in how well your body 
is actually doing. And if it's not doing well, your hormones are also going to suffer. So like post-birth, mm-hmm. I find it hard. Like I feel like my hair is getting thinner. I feel like I just noticed there was like hair in different places on my legs that I didn't have. So mm. I'm assuming that it's a hormone imbalance, but there's, even if it's just not PCOS, there's other things too. There's endometriosis, there's perimenopause, there's menopause, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't like to talk about that because we feel like I'm in my thirties. I don't feel like I should be talking about perimenopause, pa- pa- pause, wait, Australian, <laughs> perimenopause, perimenopause. <laughs> but I feel like we need to, because it can happen earlier and yeah. earlier based on the fact that, our hormones are fucked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, essentially, true. like over 35, you're most women are in perimenopause by, you know, starting at 35. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we don't talk about. But perimenopause can go on for a really long time. And it doesn't mean that you can't have children or anything. It's just something that we don't talk about. And we totally sh- should because it's such a big part of our lives and there's so much going on during that stage in our lives as well as so many hormone fluctuations we really need to be like priority prioritizing our health so many women have had babies by that point and like you said are depleted by so many nutrients and yeah it's it's a it's a tough one hormones are like really rule your life and I don't think Mm -hmm. I had any understanding of that until I was faced with my own Mm-hmm. hormonal imbalance and it was it really stared me straight in the face and said hey you need to do something about this you need to address it and I did like I was pretty hardcore in the first say mm-hmm. three to six months like I said I cut out kind of anything I thought was inflammatory I was on like every single herb you can possibly think of um, I found social situations really hard mm-hmm. because I had cut out so much and I mm-hmm. one I felt like I didn't I didn't look like myself and I was embarrassed and ashamed by what I looked like. But I also was like, I don't want to go out and feel the pressure of having to have a drink or eating foods that I know aren't going to be good for me or having to explain Mm -hmm. why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I found that aspect of it really hard, but in the end, it's sort of like this, it got to sort of six months and I started to see results and that's Mm -hmm. what was really positive for me. And I, what you hit the nail on the head when you said it's like the rituals that you're addicted to Mm -hmm. as well. Like I loved having like my coffee meetings and stuff like that. And so for me, it was switching over to like herbal teas and herbal teas have ended up paying like a huge part in my life because I've gone on to work with naturopath to create herbal blends specific for hormone imbalances and, you know, for my own self. And now, now I sell them, but for me, it was replacing that and having something to do, other than the coffees, <laughs> which was right, like right, what I right. was doing at that time. It's like time. when people say that they're smokers and they like yeah. say the worst part is knowing what to do with your fingers. Yes. You know? And that's like, why you end up eating so much more because like you don't know what to do with your hands because they're constantly mm-hmm. occupied. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, hormones are just a fast. I don't know, Box, like don't, are you noticing like as I have a birthday next week and I'm having like a complete meltdown just because it's like, <laughs> like you, do you not remember when everyone was younger than you and now you're like, shit, everyone's now like, Sorry, everyone was older than you. And yeah. now you're like, oh, shit. Now everyone's younger than you. How did yeah. that happen? Like, I'm in the gym going, these people are probably 10 years younger than me in here. Like, how did that happen so fast? They're so like crazy. officially legit people who are like, quote, unquote, grownups who were born in like the year 2003. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, but that no, is, yeah. Yes. But no, going back to what you're saying about hormones, it's interesting because I think, especially with the pill, I know like, and I know a lot of women have gone through this because Mm. it's pretty common that after you have a baby, you know, your gynecologist wants to get you on a pill right away. Mm. So you don't, you know, get pregnant and everything like right away. And um, I just remember I didn't do it and I was still breastfeeding at the time and I breastfed for a year, but it took me 
two years after I stopped breastfeeding to get my period back because yeah, my, my hormones goodness. two years after after I stopped breastfeeding for my body wow. to naturally regulate to give me my period back after I stopped breastfeeding and now I look back and I wonder I go gosh I you know I wish I maybe had done more digging because perhaps I had something like this you know like yeah. it was holding off my periods and like you know it wasn't it just was really odd like I'm like it definitely had yeah. to be a hormone imbalance something yeah. was going on but maybe it was this too I don't know it's so hard to know and I think as well just being on the pill in general depletes our bodies of so many nutrients like you know zinc folate vitamin d like magnesium b12 like all of those things are one they're really common depletions in women with have pcos but if you've been on the pill like all of that stuff is being depleted the pill essentially mm -hmm. shuts down our hormones so mm -hmm. even though we're getting our bleed that's not a period that's a synthetic bleed that we're getting to make us think we're getting a period that we're not our body isn't ovulating and if our body isn't ovulating we're not making all those hormones there's no balance going on i think that that's something that no one explains to us when we put on the pill mm -hmm. um i certainly wasn't explained that when i was younger and i kind of just wish looking back like if i had been told that actually that this pill isn't fixing my my symptoms mm -hmm. it's just purely masking them and putting a band-aid on it and when as soon as I come off it it's going to come back if not 10 times worse which is yeah. what happened in my case mm -hmm. and I had 10 years of being on the pill and the damage it had done to sort of like undo which is really yeah. hectic and even things like your gut health like the gut health yeah. is you know mm -hmm. such a big player when it comes to hormone health and if you've been on the pill or if you've been on antibiotics at any point in your life mm -hmm. like your gut health is most likely depleted but we don't hear about that enough and that's mm -hmm. again a such a big player when it comes to to hormone health and so i think so many i mean pcos for example it's estimated one in 10 women have PCOS. Well, that's mm -hmm. what the diagnosis is, but it's actually most likely a lot more than that because mm -hmm. it's such an underdiagnosed condition. And the same with endometriosis. Again, same thing. Mm -hmm. It takes, I can't remember what it was. I think it's like an average of, might even be more than this, but like seven years to be diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that's debilita debilitating pain for those women for so long. And PCOS is a really long one to be diagnosed as well. So, yeah, I mean, you could be living with these conditions for so long and mm -hmm. never know. I think PCOS is, you know, realistically as well, has only really come to the forefront in the last, say, 10 years. Before that, women had it and just didn't know that they had it. They just were like, why can't I have kids? Yeah. And they were just told they couldn't have kids. And the yeah. story, you're infertile. Yeah. Crazy. No, I never went on the pill. I went on the pill once and I remember, like, I vividly remember taking it. And after like two days, I was so angry and so oh. aggressive. I remember I threw a shoe at a TV. I can't even remember. <laughs> Poor guy that I was even with. I threw my shoe at a TV and it broke. Like it had, uh, there's like a crack went into the TV. And I thought like, this is unhealthy. Like this is unnatural. Like I've, I tried it twice and I just couldn't do it. I'm very shocked that I didn't get pregnant all throughout my twenties. <laughs> um, oh my Lord. But I, I honestly, and this is probably not what a lot of people think, but I would have preferred to have like gotten pregnant than to have felt like that every day. Mm. Because for me, it just was just messed with my emotions. So yeah. there are certain people that I just think shouldn't be on the pill. Like, hormonally yeah. at all ever yeah yeah i mean and it's um it's actually interesting because there's a great naturopath called lara bryden who who wrote a really great book if anyone's um interested and it's it's all about hormone health and everything but she has sort of said as well she's like 
worst case scenario, the morning after pill is probably a better option than being on the pill because Mm -hmm. that's just like Mm -hmm. a a much like less invasive option than a pill that shuts down your entire hormonal system. So, and I, I feel like I'm like, yeah, that's, I'd always been like, kind of like, Oh, morning after pill must be so much stronger and all this kind of stuff. But the way she explained it, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Like it's yes. Obviously it's not an ideal situation if you have to Mm -hmm. take it, but if that's, the option as opposed to being on something that shuts down your entire hormonal system, that maybe that is a better option for a lot of women. And why aren't we talking about what men, like, I love men. I'm married yeah. to men. <laughs> yeah. I have a 10 year wedding anniversary next week, but like, wow. why aren't we developing contraceptives for men? I know that they are, but it's been <laughs> yeah. very slow to the punch. Let's put it that way. You yeah. Know, well, I t- yeah. I think I was just going to say, I think it's like the patriarchal medical system too. Right. It's like, yeah. quote unquote, our responsibility. Right. It's like the woman's responsibility. Like we're the ones that are, you know, that should be inconveniencing our bodies, you know, whereas men are kind of like, Oh, boys will be boys. Let them be, mm. you know, they do what they naturally want to do. And it's not fair. You know, it's crazy. Also men can get mm-hmm. pregnant can get a, a different woman pregnant every day mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. we only can get pregnant once within the year yeah think about that for a second if we get yeah. pregnant it'll take a whole oh, yeah. months to get yeah. pregnant yeah. and then we won't we'll probably be able to get pregnant for those two months afterwards so, so we can get pregnant once a year and mm-hmm. they can get any woman pregnant every single day so mm-hmm. why aren't we spending more time and research into figuring out male contraceptives yeah well did you see that study that they like they literally made this contraceptive for men and they did like an entire trial period on it and they stopped the trial because the men were saying that they wouldn't felt take it moody and grumpy oh. and crampy and like and every symptom that we get they they said that they felt and so they they literally stopped the trial because they felt like the side effects were too strong for these men and so they canned it so that that's was like just an instant oh it didn't work we blew uh-huh. bother we tried Look, I, again, I love men and I think that, you know, they're the best in Same. the world. And if I had a son, I'd be super happy to have a, a son and I love my husband. But I do think that the the pain threshold for women is so vastly different. And I do think it's maybe because of how we genetically are made up. But I also think that it's because when you've lived with pain for so long, it's almost like you disassociate yourself from it actually meaning something and you just live day to day with something that is, is hurtful to you, but you don't know any different. I I had such severe period pain every single month until I gave birth. My period pain went completely away post-birth. I don't know if that happens to a lot of people, but before that had such severe pain and I just accepted it. I just went to work, Mm. had so many clots. I mean, it was, I would heavily bleed. That's the one good thing is you get older, you bleed less. (laughs) Um, But I would bleed for seven days heavily um, and I just sucked it up. Like, don't we? We just suck it up. Yeah, yeah. we suck it up. We do, we take it. We just do what we have to do. You know, it's like yeah. we just move on. But I don't think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of the men I know, like, could do that, like, as frequently. Who are they, Broxy? That's what I'm literally Name them now. I'm literally trying to find. I don't think it's David. I'm literally trying to give credit, some credit, to some man out there. Like, somebody has got to step up. But it's funny because they literally are not. They're just, they just, I don't think they could do it. I don't think they could do what we do. 
Mm. I think it's you interesting know? when, um, and again, it sounds like we're man bashing, but I, I we're not. We're married we to men. We love men. We're married. We love yes. them. Yeah. But like my family will all get like the stomach flu, right? So all, so I have a two year old, a seven year old, me and my husband will all get the stomach flu. And it's like my two year old will be bouncing back within 24 hours. My other one, 36 hours, I'll still be vomiting and you know, doing stuff with the kids. And my husband will be out for the count for seven days. <laughs> like can't move, dying, like end of the world. How are we going to fight? Like literally yeah. can't move, can't eat, can't drink nothing. And yet so all, all of us have had the same thing. He always says to me, he goes, well, maybe it like moves through bodies differently. And I'm like, sure. Okay. Sure. We'll go with but that. It's always we'll like so that. much worse. And he says it's always yeah. worse when you get it secondhand. And I'm like, never heard of that. <laughs> yes. No, it's so true. No, they're, they're full of it. Because, unless they're taking advantage of us and not telling us and taking the extra. I think that they actually I'm feel off. sick. I think that they yeah, feel I think that they sick. Do. But it's, yeah. but it's crazy. I could literally be bleeding out of my eyeballs, still taking care of my daughter, answering work <laughs> emails and doing a conference call. And it's like, my husband gets like the sniffles and is like, oh, I don't think I'll be making it today. And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, funny. it's funny though. though. Maybe it is their physiology. Maybe they just can't. I think they it. honestly feel that ill. I, yeah. I honestly think they feel like they're going to die. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I also think that like the concept of like, still having to soldier on and like multitask during those sick times is like kind of like non-existent to yeah. them. Like, like it's so weird. Yeah. Like last week I was pregnant, had cyanitis. I've got a two year old. I run two businesses and I had to just like continue on as normal. And you know, my beautiful, amazing hubby, Jesse, he was like, had like a little bit of a sn- like runny nose and like something going down at work. And he's just like, oh, I-, I can't do anything. I just need to like focus on this one thing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. But, I, I, I mean, it, the other thing I have found as well, mm. and I don't know if this is just in my situation, but I don't think we talk about, like, when let's say hormones, for example, mm. like a lot of men are completely clueless and in the dark about mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't really understand how much it affects us on, on mm-hmm. so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And I do think that even with my own um, husband, like him, just seeing him like understanding, you know, the menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. um, understanding that there's really only a very short period within each month where we may be out of fall pregnant, you know, even right. the, I think men just think we might have sex and fall pregnant. Like they don't mm-hmm. really understand that, that it's a, actually a miracle if you do fall pregnant because mm-hmm. of everything that has to go on for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. And I like, I have a son and I'm sort of like, well, I really want him to grow up understanding mm-hmm. and being aware of what goes on mm-hmm. with women's bodies and how powerful mm-hmm. they are and how amazing they are. And, you know, what can go on during the different phases of the month and the different moods mm-hmm. and how we might be feeling and all that kind of thing. Cause I think that's really powerful. And, beneficial for them to know because they can mm-hmm. help us by knowing all this and they they can really tap into those times where we might need a bit of extra comforting or we might mm-hmm. not feel like doing things or um even like we recently went through a miscarriage and mm-hmm. that was that was really heartbreaking but I don't think because we we'd he'd heard of other people having miscarriages but mm-hmm. his friends don't talk about that you know whereas right, right. as women we talk about that a bit more and we're a bit more open about that with our friends whereas his friends you wouldn't know he wouldn't know if any of his friends have had a miscarriage you know so that was a really eye-opening experience for us to go through as well and I think for him and to be now he's quite open about it and quite happy to talk about it but yeah, yeah. I don't know it's really different with men 
Yeah, I think it's miscarriages. Yeah, miscarriages also important to be like really transparent Mm. with your children too when it comes to health issues because I've noticed that you know like my daughter will come into the bathroom like you know if I'm changing my tampon or whatever because you know how kids are they don't care if the doors oh no not (laughs) (laughs) privacy yes yes and so she'll just come in and it's like you know I I started to tell her from a very early age you know two years old and up of course like age appropriate kind of explaining what a period is you know in the menstrual yeah. cycle I'm like that one day she too will have a menstrual cycle and it's not dirty and it's not something to be ashamed of you know yes. it's like it's really important that this is like a very important function of your body it's part of yeah. your health you know and it's like I think it's really important to communicate that message to kids because Tam and I we both we both have all daughters and it's like really getting that message across so these girls don't grow up feeling dirty and you know ashamed of their bodies when did it get shameful like i actually i remember when i first got my period and i was so embarrassed i was so embarrassed but yet all it is is blood from an egg every Mm -hmm. month signifying that you're not pregnant that's really all it is it's Mm -hmm. actually so why have we made it disgusting i remember Mm -hmm. someone dm'd me because i um i asked like what is something that's taboo that you like and someone said period sex right mm-hmm. and someone messaged me she was like that is just revolting it's disgusting now i i get if it's not your flavor and it's not something that you like to do but i don't know if it's disgusting it's just no. it's just a form of mm-hmm. like excretion whatever like so why is the excretion that's such a weird word to use like okay <laughs> when it's like um that mucus when uh-huh. you know it comes out when you're ovulating what's different than blood because we've mm-hmm. we've almost told ourselves that the blood is dirty and shameful and gross and and the actual blood itself isn't isn't sanitary when it actually really is when it comes out of your body when you're clean there's nothing wrong with having period sex and it actually alleviates pain and depression and anxiety and helps you sleep there's a lot of things that you know having an orgasm on your period can do um and i just think it's like oh okay like it's interesting that her reaction was um, one based in disgust mm. and shame rather than like, oh, it's just not my preference. Like, I get mm. it. Not your yeah. preference. Yes. Don't yeah. want to, you have nice sheets. Totally. They're expensive. Totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I get it. But, but don't, don't do it. Not, don't not do it because you think it's dirty. Right. Mm. I, you know, I it's definitely- interesting. Isn't that an interesting question though? Because I feel like, Tamman, just going back to your question about when did it become disgusting or when did we think it was like shameful mm. to have a period? I remember the first time I got my period, waking up, feeling embarrassed and feeling mm-hmm. shamed, you know, like not shame, like shame about my body, you know, like feeling embarrassed about it. So that maybe it's right at the beginning. I mean, maybe we always feel like that about it. But no, know. maybe it's because our generate, like the generation our parents were in. Right. Yes. Were were taught that it was such a taboo subject. Like I don't remember my mom getting her period. Yeah, I don't, don't. I don't remember seeing her, my mom get her period or walk yeah. into the bathroom and see blood. I don't remember any of that. Mm. I remember learning through my school PD, which is personal development. Mm. I remember learning about a period, but I never saw it firsthand or my mom's reaction to it. doesn't make her a bad yes. person at all. It's just right. that generation. Mm-hmm. So totally hopefully mm-hmm. the fact that our kids walk in and we've got a period or, oh no, like I've accidentally leaked on my pants and your husband's like, oh, I'll wash those pants. And he doesn't go, oh my goodness, you've bled on your pants. Yeah. Like it's just something that's just so natural and in part of the conversation. Maybe then our kids won't think that it's like, I, Phoenix is saying we get a period 
almost every month. And I'm like, yeah. and she goes, oh, it's blood. And I'm like, yeah, it's blood. And so hopefully when she sees blood, she's like, oh, it's blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and hey, hopefully we can turn it into a positive thing. Hey, you're getting your period. That means everything's going really well. You know, that yes. means let's take that as your report card. If you're getting a great healthy period every month, like everything is ticking along really nicely and mm -hmm. it should be seen as this positive, empowering thing as opposed to a really negative, shameful thing, which I, I totally agree. I think it was our parents' generation and their, their parents' generation mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. created this um, taboo, quite shameful secret thing it was like mm. really no one talked about it i remember finding tampons in my mom's bathroom and being like what the heck <laughs> what is where does that go <laughs> i was like what is what is going on here and then even the next thing i think we should really be focusing on is the type of education that our mm. children are receiving in school yeah. because I mean, I know here in Australia, and you could probably vouch this too, Tamar, but it's pretty basic. It's like, here's a condom, put it on a banana. You know, you're going to get a period once a month and have safe sex. Like that's basically what we got. Um, it's pretty not much more in depth than that. But I think if we could really talk about the menstrual cycle, what's mm -hmm. going on, the different, you know, signs and symptoms to be looking out for, what's normal, what's not, because pain isn't normal. And so many women colors is an indication yeah, of it's normal. Clots is an indication of it's normal. Yeah. Pain is an indication of it's normal. But I, going back to your point, like I think it's becoming less of a taboo yeah. subject because obviously of social media and people like yourself who are talking about it. But also like I was on set during this film that I just um, recently finished. And I asked the runner who was like a 24 year old guy to go get me pads and tampons. And he didn't mm. even blink an eye. Yeah. So it made me realize like, Oh my goodness, like it is getting better. Like he didn't yes. go, Oh my gosh, I have to like, I'm 25 year old, How embarrassing. 25 years yeah. old. Yeah. And I'm a yeah. boy and I have to go to the local IGA and go get tampons. Like he was mm -hmm. like, Oh, no problem. So I'm hoping that this is just becomes the norm. Like, yeah. it just is like, uh, it's yeah. not like she's on her period, stay away. It's like, oh, she's on her period. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. And, but even like for myself, I know, mm. like, I had this weird thing about period cups, like menstrual cups, right? Mm. And I was like, how gross. Like, I would never use a period cup, blah, blah, blah. But it was purely this weird thing I had stuck in my head mm. for no reason other than like probably marketing and the way I'd grown up and all this kind of stuff. And now I can't imagine having a period without using a period cup. Like it's the best thing cup. that's ever happened. Oh my the undies. God. I've never the undies are great it. too. Okay. I did the undies, although like, I don't know. So no one explained this to me. Are you supposed to change your undies every two hours? Cause I kind of left it on all day. And by the end I was like, mm, it kind of feels wet. But it didn't leak on the outside. So that's, well, the, that's the main news. thing. It wet on the inside, but the outside was completely dry, which was fascinating. An entire day with your period, Roxy, yeah. not, not <gasps> leaking at all. I'm I need to try this because I'll keep oh, hearing so about good. them. Yeah, are they so good? Do you just so throw good. the undies away when you're done with them? No, you just wash no, them. No, you wash them and oh. you keep them and you reuse them. So they're like way better them. for the environment, oh. but also just like super handy. and Like I'm even using them. I'm pregnant at the moment. Oh. And like, as we know, like you have stuff leaking out when you're right. pregnant. So yeah. I've just right. been wearing them as undies and they're so, so useful. And then I just, you can wear them all day for sure. Like they're meant to be for a day and then you wash them that night and you you know, wear them at night. Wow. And you, I think it's like eight hours. You can wear them really yeah, comfortably yeah, yeah. and they yeah. hold up to four tampons, I think. So it's quite yeah. a lot of. They're um, great at nighttime because you know how, cause I used to wear a pad at night and then yes. double like 
double undie yeah. and then where like, <laughs> like when you're like in the first two days like the long pad yeah yes. like maybe just an extra pad in there in case because you didn't want to like leak on your sheets or whatever totally but with period undies roxy you just go you just get the super one and you just sleep in it and it doesn't leak oh and doesn't sometimes it feels wet though like <laughs> yeah. inside feels wet but but yes. the outside's not wet See, yeah. I, I don't like, I mean, that sounds like a good deal too, because I wear tampons, but mm. when I go to the, if I get up in the middle of the night to go pee, then you forget, I forget that I have the tampon in. Yeah. And you pee you on the string. sleep? Well, I mean, when I have my period, I do. You do? Well, I, that's not <laughs> good. Well, I can't, well, I can't bleed on the, sh- where am I, I mean, well, I have toxic, to after six hours or something, isn't there more yeah. of a risk of toxic shock toxic syndrome? Toxic shock syndrome. I mean, yeah. I don't sleep more than four. <laughs> You know, so I like, you know, <laughs> but I forget at night and I pee and the string gets wet, you know, and then I'm like, oh, and then I have to change it. And then I've woken myself up. So I'm visual little... right now. Have your visual of your wet tampon <laughs> string <laughs> that you have to change every four hours because you don't want to get know. toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> So you're waking your, what happens if that's one day that you decide to sleep 10 hours, Roxy? I wouldn't wear tampons at night. I think I'm going to try these period underwears, but I do have to try say, them. okay, I'm a little scared of the cup though. Just when yeah. I think about it, because I don't know, like, logistically. Yeah, what if it falls, what if it gets right. stuck up there? Well, yeah. I had a, a moment where <laughs> it, it literally got stuck up there and I had, like, a lot of anxiety I and it lodged itself in some oh. weird way and it was like in the it, it basically flipped inside me right so I don't know if you've seen one but they kind of have these little tails at, so it's like a cup with a little tail at the bottom okay. of it and okay. it had, I don't even know what I did but somehow and I actually think it was because it was one of the first times I wore one after having Flynn my baby mm. and I obviously everything had been lodged in there and I had a lot <laughs> more space going on and it had yeah. flipped around and the tail bit was facing upwards and poking into me and like so the cup bit was facing down the tail was facing up I got this excruciating pain I went to the bathroom to try and like get it out and I realized I couldn't get it out because I couldn't pull on the little tab thing to pull it down and it was the most terrifying experience I can ever tell you but our bodies are amazing and my body just knew what to do and it like honestly it was like an involuntary push that just like pushed it out for me but wow that did terrify me and I went aside I guess we, we've spoken to a lot of um, <laughs> pelvic experts and I guess they can fish that stuff out yeah I mean worst case I was yes. gonna go and get it fished out but it honestly our body like because I guess it really can't go up that far like at the end of the day yeah, it's a quite a large thing yeah, right yeah, like yeah. it's it can't yeah. really go that far it was just I could feel it I just couldn't grab it because it was facing Uh flipped up but that was and then I realized very quickly and someone said to me like you know after you've had a kid you kind of have to go up a size in the cup because um everything is you've got more space up there except c-sections Roxy and I are struggling to get a tampon up there right now (laughs) oh right okay I didn't know yeah I just there you go (laughs) can't even get like a finger up there I'm like it's really it's really quite stressful for me I can get yeah. a tampon. It's really hard for me to get a really? tampon out. Like, yeah. Do you yeah, use it with the difficult. applicator or without the applicator? I cannot do without applicators. I can't okay. even get it up there. The like, applicator I can, but it's so painful. I haven't used tampons in years because I've heard that they're really, it's really bad to stop the flow of blood. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if it's different with the cup because it catches it rather than absorbs the blood. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard tampons are great. things. Yeah. I, I mean, so I, I, I mean, tampons in years. that's crazy. And do you know what else is so funny here in Australia? Yeah. We don't have the applicators. We only have like normal <gasps> tampons. 
Which really? you know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I that. Know. I must have been in the States so long. I mustn't have worn we tampons only have like the tiny little tampons and actually it was so funny because um i had a business over in the states Wait, i'm in googling LA. this right now yeah just google australian <laughs> tampons australian tampons we've actually in the last year like a few companies have bought applicators out and everyone's like what is this gigantic tampon because <laughs> everyone <laughs> thought it was like the whole thing but when i was in the u.s and um yeah jesse my husband was with me and mm. i got my period i said hey can you run down and get some tampons for me mm. and he like came back with the most more look on his face and he's like these are the only things I could find and they were these like huge things because he didn't know what the applicator part was and we just don't we don't have them in Australia it's really quite funny that's so funny I wonder what it says here it's not as readily available in Australia um than it was in the U.S. um like our little tampons are this big they're like little like a clutch size yeah, wow. but but it's we didn't know any. I honestly didn't even know there was an option for an applicator, and probably until about five years ago, I'd never seen or heard of one. You're like game changer. <laughs> yeah, it was part right. of me, but I was also like, do you really need one? Like, I do, I was like, why do you? I need do. One? I need an applicator. I can't get anything up that far. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, so, and, and then I lost my tampon when I was 17. I went to a rage and I drank too much and I had a tampon in when I went in and then I didn't have one when it came out. Um, <laughs> oh, and so we went to damn the doctor. It. We went to the ch- oh, I went to the doctor you, the next day to try to find it find it. Oh my God. No one pulls it out, Roxy, if that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> no one pulls it out. I was 17. Don't be gross. I lost my virginity at like 18 and a half, okay? <laughs> I'll give you the extra year and a half, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. Year and a half. Give me that year and a half. I was a good girl. Um, yeah, no, I lost it. So that was that. What, it actually just came out? Where did it go? I really don't know to this day. It could be still there. It could still be up there. We really don't know. Well, we don't have much time with you left. I love this wonderful conversation about hormones and female issues and all the things. So I think the main thing I want to get out of this show, especially for our listeners who are really struggling is like, and you had like tapped a little bit um, Mm, into this, but I do feel like what are your main, um, your main advice food and supplement wise, like an overall, um, like a package of advice to people yeah. who have PCOS and endometriosis hormone issues, what would you reduce and yep. what would you um, put into your diet or, you know, okay. anything that you would do? So I think, first of all, with diet, I think the easiest way I can probably explain this is to use what I call like the crowded out method, which is essentially is let's rather than, cause I think everyone freaks out like in the PCOS where that's like this keto world, it's gluten-free, it's dairy-free, it's everything is like, get rid of everything. And what I actually have found at the end of the day for me was um, rather than eliminating everything completely. And I am actually predominantly plant-based, but I do eat eggs and I do eat fish and um, I, and I, I do eat carbs. And, you know, I like, I just think it's let's crowd in, as many good fruits and veggies and whole foods as possible. And eventually what's going to happen is by default, you'll be crowding out some of those other foods that maybe aren't mm-hmm. as great. So, and, and really take a good look at like what could be inflammatory for you. I know for me in the beginning, gluten was actually really inflammatory and I didn't Same. realize how inflammatory it was. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, I've actually found that I can tolerate it a lot better. And I think that's because my gut health is improved. Mm-hmm. My overall inflammation has been reduced. So that's one thing to look at. And obviously just anything that you know is inflammatory 
I would just recommend getting rid of it, even so if it's what for is a trial period. Some people are like literally have no idea what an inflammatory food okay. is. Okay. So inflammatory food, it could be anything for, for some people it's meat products, particularly meat products that aren't organic or pasture raised, you know, like mm-hmm. red meat products. Um, anything, a lot of the things that um, aren't organic in general, because they're sprayed with pesticides and chemicals mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So eating organic when you can, I know that can be really expensive. So just wherever you can, there's actually a great thing called the clean 15, which I, I recommend people looking at because um, like it's strawberries the are so dirty. Yeah. Right. Some things mm-hmm. are a lot more likely to have a lot more chemicals on them than others. And so you can kind of pick and choose what you buy organic based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's refined. So refined carbohydrates stick to the complex ones. So the whole grains and all that kind of stuff. Dairy can be inflammatory for some people, um, but other people find that they're okay with it. For me, again, dairy was inflammatory. So I decided to get rid of that. It's like yeah, how trial do people and error. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, trial like and error. Like I said, trial and error. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might also just find like a lot of, you know how there's like the A2 milks and stuff. Like some people find mm-hmm. if they switch right. to that, they're okay. But you have to give your body time. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It could take three months to see results. So with the diet stuff, you've got to be persistent. Actually, with all this stuff, you've got to be persistent. You've got to give yourself, say, hey, I'm going to dedicate three to six months to this and that I'm really going to commit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so diet is one thing. And then alcohol, you know, all that kind of stuff that we spoke about can be inflammatory. Different things for different people. And that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all individuals. Bio-individuality is a big thing here. So don't, just because you've heard it on someone else's Instagram doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be right for you. You have to Mm -hmm. sort of look into this yourself. Um, In terms of like herbs and supplements, uh, I'm a huge believer in herbs. That's why I literally started like an organic herbal tea company, which focuses on herbs that are specific for hormone health, PCOS, fertility. I did the, actually ended up making like a lactation one because I struggled with um, Mm. breastfeeding myself. I've just Mm -hmm. bought out a pregnancy one because I'm pregnant at the moment. Herbs can be great. I, you know, I worked with a naturopath with those. You might want to see a naturopath yourself. Mm. There's some great, like even herbs like spearmint, for example, it's proven Mm. to help lower testosterone. So if you suffer from high testosterone levels, that's a natural proven herb that can help you just by drinking tea, which Mm -hmm. is insane, I think. And we discount that a lot of the time. Um, And then you've got other things that are really common deficiencies. Like I said before, zinc is a really big one. You might want to look at supplementing magnesium is another one. B12 is another one. You know, there's, there's so many out there, but those are the basic ones that you can look at straight away and know that it's, it's quite likely you, will benefit from um, uh, supplementing as well as vitamin D, which is the sunshine Mm -hmm. vitamin. So just making sure you're getting enough vitamin D during the day, literally 10 to 20 minutes of unfiltered sunshine should be enough for you without having to supplement. But unfiltered means like no sunscreen, no hat. So you do have to be quite sun smart and make sure that Mm -hmm. you're protecting yourself. Um, And then again, like stress is a big one. And I think one thing we discount a lot when it comes to stress is exercise. So like, yes, we might be stressed about finances, work, whatever being a mom but that you might also be stressing yourself unnecessarily with the workouts that you do so just taking a really good yeah. hard look at like how no one, intense do i go mm-hmm. sorry because no one like really understands because i that's not true i say that again i think it's interesting for people to realize that like a hard hit workout actually raises your cortisol levels post workout yeah. so if you struggle with so i struggle with anxiety and so i always get anxious an hour after my after. workout and then it actually mm. gets better right so over like mm. the four or five hours i the cortisol really drops but yeah i mean no one really talks about the fact that your workouts could be making you anxious and could be affecting your hormones 
I know. And it's a tricky one because I know for a lot of people, like the workout is the release, right? Like Mm -hmm. they feel like that's a really great release for them and it's that downtime. And even for me, like I was really having to switch my mindset from like, I actually don't need to go kill myself for it to be beneficial for me. And I can tell you point blank, like I I don't, I literally do yoga. I do a little bit of Pilates and I walk and I garden and I surf. And like, that's all I really do now. Mm -hmm. And I, my weight has, I've not gained, in fact, I'm my weight is much more manageable now than it was when I was working out a lot more. So I think that that's a big indication that for me and my body, what I do now is much more beneficial than what I was doing. And my body responds to this much better. There are some women who can tolerate more, you know, and that's, that's great. And if you know that that's you go for it, but um, it wasn't me. And I think it's been really beneficial for me to to tone Mm. that down and just go with what feels good. And I think if it feels good for you and you enjoy it, it's probably doing you benefits. Like that's Mm. the reality. Sleep is another really big one. I think we discount how important sleep is. I know you girls just said you're not sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a massive one. And obviously when we sleep, that's um, a big time for our hormones to be resetting and doing all their things. So if you're not getting great sleep, you're probably, your hormones are probably going to be unbalanced and that's mm-hmm. a, the reality of it. And like, that's why I think as well, when we're postpartum, so many women, so many mothers that have so like, we get so many other symptoms as well because we're just getting all that broken sleep and it's really mm-hmm. tough, but getting eight hours of quality sleep in the dark is really, really important. If you can lots of water, like there's just so many different things you can be doing, but Um, again it comes down to the individual person and I I do think as well like be your own advocate stand up for yourself if you think something's not right it's probably not right and don't stop until you get the answers that you want I Mm. think I've I've gone down many different routes I've gone down Chinese medicine naturopathic Mm -hmm. Ayurveda I've pulled things from all of those different types of modalities and I use them doesn't necessarily matter do, do them all the time anymore but they've definitely found great things from all of those different modalities that I've Mm. been able to bring into my life and don't stop at just one because you think that it didn't work or you you felt like it you know you didn't get anything out of it like there's more out there there's different people to try um and I, I do think natural health has having is having a real big moment at the moment as well so you can really find people that are specific um mm-hmm. like so many places now f- focus on fertility and hormones and you if you can find people like that that really want to invest in you and your health like that's a game changer and then also too, I think it really helps to get your hormones tested, right? To have blood yes. tests and see what your levels are and check those levels with your doctor just to see if maybe mm-hmm. you need like further testing or you need an ultrasound to kind of really yeah. get a good look in there, right? That's where you should be starting. Hormone, yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem is with hormone testing and what I've found over the years is that your hormones fluctuate daily. So yeah. what happens is like when people test, cause my hormones look great. Right. But I know I have hormonal issues, but maybe when I got tested that my hormones were great on that day. So if it wasn't a huge excessive of estrogen or progesterone, it wasn't such a big number, then they say you're fine. Cause it's kind mm. of like a one size fits all. But I know yeah. with some of these tests, like the geome, geome tests or some, whatever they're called, you actually have to pee in a little cup every day for 10 days over the course of the month to actually really see how your levels are spiking within your literal uh, luteal phase and the follicular phase and all those different changes. Sometimes I feel like it's like one size fits all. They just do a blood test and they go, nope, you're fine. Yeah, I feel like it's so much more... Um, it's so much more broken down than that. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the minutia of That's like, right. yeah. 
we we have a like a we cycle you know like we have a cycle so depending on the day the time like uh, literally the time of the day will make a difference when we Mm -hmm. test our hormones so Mm -hmm. with men it's not the same they can pretty much take their hormones or do any testing at any point throughout the month and it's not really going to affect them too much with us we really every every day and at every point in our day there's going to be different things going on i will also say on that note is Normal doesn't mean optimal. So just because mm-hmm. your doctor comes back to you right. and says that your results are normal, their span for what normal is, is actually really large. So what I found is I, I had doctors telling me that my results were normal for a lot of mm. things. Um, and then I took them to, let's say a naturopath and she looked at them and she goes, you're so far from being where you should be. It's not even funny, you know? Mm. And like, that's something really important to keep in mind is that if you've gone back, your doctor's told you your results are normal, but you still don't feel right. Mm. Get a second opinion because Mm. normal does not mean optimal. And we want to be optimal. We want to be functioning at the best that we possibly can. Good point. That's a good point. Well, Listen. Roxy Socks, let's get our hormones in check, Roxy yes. Socks. Yes, we need to. Can we please? Can we do a two for one? We can do a two for. <laughs> no, it's just hard because, like, I'll go into this, and you, I know you know this too. You do this. You told me, Rox, but like, you'll get into like this good rut, and you'll be like, "Great, I'm eating well, and I'm exercising, yep. and I'm feeling good, and my hormones feel good," and then like it's that consistency and maybe it's just Mm. that we go too hard too fast maybe that's Mm. our issue is like we go well we're gonna do it this way and we're not gonna bend if we just accept that you know some days will be great and we'll be able to take care of ourselves in every aspect and other days we're gonna drink three mojitos and have a magnum ice cream you know what i mean like you just have to accept that you do the best you can with where you're at in your day and your life and, and your stresses and mm. no one is living this perfect. Um, no. And I think as well, keep health. in mind, like I went pretty hardcore for like three to six months, but then over time I've been able to reintroduce stuff that I never thought I would be able to. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I can eat bread, like, you know, a good quality sourdough bread. Now, no dramas. I can have the occasional wine, no dramas. Like oh. all of, I didn't reintroduce caffeine just cause I never felt like I wanted it again. But, um, okay. you know, there's like, it took time for my body to heal the inflammation to come down my gut to reset, like my hormones to rebalance. And now I can tolerate a lot more than what I used to be able to tolerate. So it's not, it's not like you have to live this restrictive, horrible life you know, that's not what I don't, no one wants to do that. It's like, maybe we need to give our body a bit of time to heal and recover and rebalance. And then we might be able to reintroduce those things. And you might also not want to reintroduce a lot of those things. I think that's what a lot of people find is they don't necessarily want to go back to what they were doing prior to that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you lose the craving entirely. Yeah, for sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. It's like you said with the coffee, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't no longer want any coffee and, and that's not a big part of your life. And I was exactly the same. And, um, now I couldn't imagine not having tea, but that's great because tea's great for me. And like, that's a big part of my day. And that's my ritual, you know, mm-hmm. making a pot of tea as opposed mm-hmm. to what used to be my ritual was going and getting a coffee. And it was kind of like a social thing. I felt like just to like go and get one, but now it's mm-hmm. not, and I don't, I don't miss it. So yeah, definitely just, um, also, you know, people get scared of fats. Like, don't be scared of good fats. Fats are so – your hormones need fats. Your hormones do need carbs. Like, there's a big thing in the hormone world where we just cut out big chunks of mm-hmm. groups of food and, like, that's not necessarily beneficial. But get your hormones tested, find mm-hmm. a great practitioner, look at herbs, see if there's any nutritional deficiencies that can be addressed and go from there. Mm-hmm. 
Good plan. Uh, amazing. Well, thank you so <laughs> much, Bridget, for coming and yeah. sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And where me. can people find you? So I'm on Instagram, which is PCOS underscore two underscore wellness. Um, otherwise, my website, which is just PCOS to wellness.com. And I've got all my blog posts on there. I've got all my um, products and teas on there. I talk about my journey on there. Like I kind of am pretty open about everything. So between that and Instagram, you'll pretty much know everything about my life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Good. Awesome. And where can you find us, Roxy Soxy? You can find us on Women and Do it in an Australian accent. Do it on Australian accent. Okay, please. Okay, okay, here we go. Hold hold on. Hold on. I got to go from London. (laughs) Everyone, please. Shrimp on the Barbie. Okay. (laughs) Shrimp on the Barbie. Shrimp on the Barbie. Shrimp on the Barbie. Okay. You can find us on Women at Top Official. You oh, just went southern so fast. You're like, you can find us on women on top of facial oh down God. here in like oh Australia. I totally went to my Texas. What the oh hell? Wow. Down here, and you can find us on uh, women on top of facial. We have a clubhouse group. Uh, <laughs> and you can find us so shrimp on the bobby, shrimp on the bobby, shrimp on the bobby, <laughs> shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> oh, we don't even say that. I just find it. Do you find it so funny that that's what people think of when you say doing a so I know, so like shrimp on the bobby? Good eye, mate. It was good. Eye, mate. Yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> well since roxy's never gonna get it out you guys can find us on women on top official on instagram <laughs> women on top podcast on facebook y'all we got a facebook uh, group uh, what is that accent anyway and don't forget and i'm tame and y'all and don't forget to rate subscribe and comment yeah, we both can do this exit. <laughs> and uh, and we are Women Women on Top Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.